So tonight we're going to be studying the uh, fifth parak of Yeshayahu, uh, which is Yeshayahu's uh, very, very famous uh, Ode to the Vineyards. So if you can imagine, uh, somewhere on a Motzei Shabbos uh, in the uh, middle to late 8th century, uh, maybe somewhere around the Midrachov, uh, there's a Navi who stands in the middle of the street, and he starts off in what people would hear as so listen up. Uh, let me sing you a song of the vineyards. So people are coming back from Shalashudas, or maybe they're on the way back uh, uh, or, uh, from uh, Malava Malka, and uh, drinking wine in Yerushalayim is a pretty good pastime. And of all things, uh, they get the wonderful surprise that there's a Navi. They say, look, there's a Yeshayahu. What's, and he starts off by saying, let me sing you a song of the vineyards. So they're sitting there and saying, or standing there and saying, well, he's singing our song. This is good stuff. Ashira nali didi shirat dodi Now it's a love story. Let me tell you a poem. Let me sing you a song about vineyards and lovers. Kerem ayali didi bechamen. I had this wonderful. Once upon a time, there was this great vineyard, and it was fabulous. It had great grapes. It looked like it was going to be. And he tells a story about how the farmer, well, in this case, the owner, actually, has really gone to great troubles. Uh, if you're Israeli and you've been anywhere up north or in the primary uh, areas where, well, pretty much nowadays, we grow wine everywhere in the country. But imagine there was somewhere just a little bit north of Yushalayim. And, uh, you know, it's a mountainous area. They have to clean, uh, clear the fields. They have to take all the great stones out, take, so, take all the shrubbery out of the way. It's quite a job just to prepare the, the field for plowing. And so the, the owner says, well, I, I got rid of all the stones, I cleared it away, and then I took, you know, the way that, that wine is grown, 
even even today, you know, uh, the uh, the French have made a very big business of it, as you know, Anna. Uh, you know, they take uh, they find a great Bordeaux, uh, you know, uh, vine. You know, it's been around for centuries, and they take a snippet and they send it off to to uh, Argentina or South America or or Israel, uh, and they 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 plant it, and then we've got you know the finest ancient grapes growing. And that's exactly what the owner does here. Vayiven migdal betocho. And, you know, he's not only prepared the outskirts, he's planted the seeds. Uh, now he's built a watchman's tower, which is the centerpiece of tonight's conversation. And what's the tower there for? For the watchman to do one very simple thing. To keep an eye on the vineyard, make sh- you know, the, the place is gated in, it's a gated area. Uh, so from the outside, it's all gated off. His job is to make sure that just nothing strange happens to the vineyard so that the farmer can harvest his grapes, the owner can have his wine, and everybody can be happy. So far, everyone in Yerushalayim is listening to this and saying, the man is telling us a story in our own vernacular. This is what we know to be true about. This is part of our lives. Let's hear what he's got to say. And so he says, uh, Yeshayahu continues with this uh, with the song, this ode that he's beginning, and he says, uh, and not only that, the the uh, farmer, uh, the owner, was so sure that he was going to have wonderful uh, wine uh, that would be produced by the vineyard, that he even uh, put a wine trough right into the into the field itself. You know, it's not it's not Amazon Prime, but it's same it's a harvest day delivery to the grapes, and there's the there's the line where everybody says, uh oh, we've been had. Yeshayahu says that the master, the owner, says, la sota navim. He hoped that he would have the finest grapes. Vayas be'ushim. He was hoping for wine, and at best he gets vinegar. Now Yeshayahu's got them, and we're now going to move on to the, uh, uh, the second part of, of what Yeshayahu's doing. And we're going to do three things tonight. We're going to review this introduction. We're going to to do a very quick comparison uh, and ask the question, um, where did Yeshayahu get the idea of using this idea of a vineyard that's gone uh, to seed, so to speak? Uh, Did he invent this or did he take it from somewhere else? We'll see that there are at least two other uh, sources that predated uh, Yeshayahu um, in, in, in two different versions. And then we're going to look at the most famous part of the of this chapter, which are six apsukim, uh, six, six parts that are start st- that begin with the word hoy. Now hoy is a subject of a lot of interpretation amongst uh, uh, scholars, uh, the the commentators. Uh, for tonight's purposes, we'll just translate it as oive. Uh, that'll do good enough for us. Or hoy, if you really want to be a semantic linguist, uh, behold or look to here. So that's going to be the heart of it, and then we're going to have a discussion first time. I know that we're a little short-handed, but we're, we need all hands on board tonight to have a discussion about what the takeaway lesson is. And that's because hidden or at the core of this chapter, right in the middle, these six hoys uh, really are the cornerstone of Yeshayahu's nevuah. This is really what he came to say. Everything that we've read in the four previous chapters where he's talking about mishpat and he's talked about tzedakah, we're going to see the cornerstone, the essence if you will, the, the shorthand version of everything that Yeshayahu is interested in saying 
in the sixth portion part that's at the center of Perakeh. And then we're going to ask each other some questions and see if we can see um, any form, any rhyme, any rhythm, uh, any real direction. Uh, is it is it uh, is is it a uh, is it a ongoing process? Is it some kind of continuum? Uh, what is he really saying? But you'll see that better when we move ahead. So uh, step one here uh, uh, that we want to complete now. So the next thing Yeshayahu does is he erects a mock trial, a marketplace type trial right in the middle of Yerushalayim. The people are standing around. They think they're hearing another bar song uh, from a from a great uh, poet, and what they get now is this this line that's a showstopper that says, "Well, things did not turn out well in the story." And then so uh, Yeshayahu says to them, if you can follow the cursor here, "Vata Yoshev Yerushalayim." It's clear who his audience is. Vish Yehuda, I'm asking you, residents of of Yerushalayim and anybody who happens to be visiting from out of town, and the rest of Yehuda. Shiftuna be'ni uvein kalmi. He's calling them to judgment. He says, I told you the story about the owner. He set up this vineyard. He did all of this stuff. And the watchman, now, ma lasot od lekalmi velo asiti bo, madua kiviti lasot anavim vayas beushim. How did this happen? What went wrong here? How is it possible that the owner invested, I mean, if you've ever owned real estate or invested in a business, you know, I, you know this, was, this was a grade, triple grade A investment. Uh, and everything looked right, and, and the results were terrible. And he's calling the people of, of Jerusalem in the pizza street, come here, you guys be the judge and jury. Tell me what went, you know, what went wrong. And, and this is, of course, a, um, a rhetorical question posed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through the mouth of Yeshayahu, saying, you know, uh, tell me who's at fault here. Vata, Odiana et chemet asherani osele kalmi, haser misukatov ayale vaer, parots kidrov ayale milmas. This is Nevi'im. Nevi'im are Sifrei Musar. There are consequences for the negligence on the part of the watchman for not taking care of the vineyard. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to destroy the vineyard, he's going to take everything apart, he's going to disassemble the entire enterprise, and then the line that really ought to, it will conclude the first part of our discussion here, but really, you know, sets us reeling in, in our chairs, Ki kerem adinoi tzvaoz beit Yisrael ve'ish Yehuda neta shashua v'yekav l'mishpat v'yim n'mishpach so listen to what Yeshayahu, now he breaks down the, the simile to the, to the vineyard. And he draws, and he explains what the example is. He says, the kerem is God's investment in the Jewish people. The, 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 uh, the thing that he planted uh, with the greatest amount of pleasure, God choosing the Jewish people, giving us the Torah, that was an outstanding moment for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, the effort you might imagine on God's part, uh, you don't have to be a Kabbalist to imagine uh, God's wrestling with the idea of creating heaven and earth, creating mankind. He made us a gorgeous world to live in that we have all these many thousands of years later, and yet the results, sadly, and we could say this is where we're st- sitting here in Yerushalayim, 
are less than encouraging. Although we have great wines in the country, uh, the main product that Akkadosh Baruch Hu is concerned about, social justice, people treating each other well, are getting along, uh, you know, is not really great. And, and this is just such a dig. Uh, so the grapes, right, he hoped for great grapes, and he got be'ushim, he got, you know, less than raisins, right? Mm-hmm. Tiny little things. What was, th- th- think about everything we've learned since we began, about we've been talking about mishpat, justice, social justice, social justice. So here are the words right out of Yeshayahu's mouth. What did God really want? What did, you know, it, uh, we, there was a gorgeous party here on Tuesday night uh, for Mikhail Pomerantz. Um, and uh, uh, Ravari Levin's uh, grandson, Benny, was here, and he said uh, that he asked his grandfather, Ravari, once, he says, what, is, what does God want from us? What is the tzvek from Laban? What, what does God really want? Uh, so Ravari said to him, you know, uh, uh, he, he gave him a very cute answer. He said, uh, ever wonder why David HaMelech said, um, that David HaMelech says, you know, uh, I'll, I'll lift my eyes to the mountains. So Rav Arya had a great, a great line. He said, a great deal. He says, why? Why to the mountains? Why not to the heavens? Why not to the stars? So Rav Arya said, it's not, God's not interested in people flying around and being like, like Malachim and being, you know, like the sun and the moon. He wants us to be like a mountain, to build, you know, one step after the other. And what does God want here? Yeshayahu says it's so, just follow the law, follow Torah law, have some kind of civilized way of be- being. V'hine mishpach, the word mishpach, uh, ought to ring at least uh, phonetically, vayashach ish, uh, that, that man has really just defaced himself. Some of Hashem understands mishpach in the rel- it to be related to mishpach damim, shvichat damim, to murder. V'hine tse'aka, God wanted vay- the, the, the correct reading would be if you just uh, move the verb over, vayikav litzdaka, right? It's just like he was vayikav the mishpat, vayikav litzdaka. God wanted for us to do to deal kindly and compassionately with staka, and what he got instead was not sedaka, but seaka, seaka, screaming. What is the screams? Well, the screams are heard on two levels in this class, right? One is the screams of the poor, because mishpat and staka, those are the bywords for Yeshayahu, as we've said many times. But the other thing that we remember from Perak Aleph is when you talk about tzaka, that's the code word in Tanakh for tzakat Sodom Vamora, the people who are oppressed. And when God hears tzaka from the oppressed people who are not being taken care of by society, that means that there's going to be divine intervention uh, not in a good way. So here we have, uh, you know, that the the uh, verdict has been rendered, and, and now uh, now things are going to uh, the day of judgment is coming. So now to part two of this tonight's shear, I mentioned earlier that uh, <coughs> this is a piece of fabulous imagery, right? You you anybody you don't have to be a farmer to imagine somebody toiling, working really hard whether you're a parent trying to raise your kids or somebody trying to build a business, uh, if you're a community leader trying to build a community, uh, where, did, where did Yishayahu take this notion from of the idea of spoiled grapes? So if you go back to Perak Lamid Bet and Sefer Devarim and Shirat Hazinu, Moshe Rabbeinu uh, raised the idea of, of fruit gone bad 
talk about Tzaka, right? What is the Migefen Sedom Gafnam? In Shirat Hazinu, um, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Migefen Sedom Gafnam, Umishadmot Amara, Anavemo Inveirosh, Ashkelot Merarot Lamo. Moshe Rabbeinu used the, the imagery um, that God faced uh, the reality that in his world, uh, what he had hoped for had really turned, at least in terms of Sodom, or with the here he's prophesizing about the future of Klal Yisrael after Vayishman Yishurun Vayivat, when the Jewish people really became too full of themselves, uh, they 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 became more materialistic, uh, that the fruit really soured. Uh, look at the Sepharno over there. I I, I put the Sepharno on the sheet here. Uh, so look at what the Sepharno says. Vatam shein behem tivuna. That's the previous pasuk. He said, "Vahinanhu mitnei shehem mitgaim v'notnim komach shavtam lahasig tanugei gufam belibam kemo anches dom." The Sparno lays it right out there. He says the imagery of of wine is because it's not just wine per se. It's not just being drunk per se, but it's being drunk with your in 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 uh, obsessed, addicted, if you will, you know, to your own uh, your own needs kemo anches dom. That's the tzeaka that we hear. There was so much chesed that it takes, uh, what did Hillary Clinton say, that it takes a, a village to raise a child? Imagine what it takes to raise a society. Everybody's got to do their job. So uh, the imagery of, of, a, of grapes that are, that are not uh, what one would have hoped is there in Parshat Hazinu. But the idea of negligence. Now, remember that if the the the, um, the charge against Anshe Yushalayim in Yish Yehuda is that the watchmen have been negligent. Uh, it seems that it's very possible that Yeshayahu uh, it took the idea that there's an indictment against Klal Yisrael uh, for not being good watchmen and and being guilty of negligence is taking from someone who I think we're more and more getting to realize was in many ways. Yeshayahu's Rebbe, and that's Shlomo HaMelech. Look at what Shlomo HaMelech does in Perik Aleph, right? At the, at, in, in the beginning there of, uh, of Perik Aleph, uh, Shlomo HaMelech says, Samani no teira et akramim, karmi sheli lo natarti. Shlomo HaMelech, speaking from the point of, of the view of the beloved, of the woman in the, in the imagery, right? God is the Raya, we're the Dod, right? And the dove and the raya says, uh, "Listen, I was given these these vineyards to watch over, and I didn't watch over. I didn't take care of my vineyard." Says Rashi. We'll, we'll just uh, we'll have a, a very quick survey of a couple points of view here of what it what the negligence really was here, what it amounted to. Uh, uh, Rashi says. Uh, I can see a little bit better here. I was, Rashi accuses him of being Oved Elohim Acherim. The Jewish people are not only not doing, watching the vineyard, what they've really done is that they've left the Torah, they've neglected Torah, and they've gone on to idol worship. That's how Rashi has it. The Torah Tamima. Uh, has it is that Lo Shamati Mishmeret that when Moshe Rabbeinu installed the Mishkan in the desert, and certainly when Shlomo built the Beit Hamikdash, right, there was a uh, there was a ritual 
and there was a center of worship in the Beit HaMikdash, and all of that has gone to seed as well. That's the Torah Tumimah's point of view. The Malbim uh, says that when people are very busy being obsessed with their own addictions and with their, with their own needs, uh, they abandon uh, the value of, of understanding wisdom and Torah wisdom. So from Shlomo HaMelech, Yishayahu has learned the lesson, or he's already got the lesson in his pocket, that there is such an idea about neglecting uh, our mission uh, in this world, and, and so Shlomo HaMelech all but really, you know, to torture the metaphor, uh, he already plowed the land and prepared uh, this, uh, this idea in uh, Yishayahu's head, and then Yishayahu takes it um, to another level in our parak. And here they are. So here's the heart of tonight's shear. Look at them. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six sentences that begin with the word hoy. And these are the indictments. This is where the negligence sits. And our job tonight is to try and understand what is it that Yeshayahu is really saying here. What are these six principles that we violated? So the Ben Cole wants to know, I'm going to say in English tonight, Hannah, okay? The Ben Cole wants to know, if there are six principles, what right does Yeshayahu have to decide that all Torah and mitzvos surround six principles that he somehow conjured up in this, in this parak, in this chapter? So let's go through them, and then our discussion and our focus is going to be to try and extract, if you will, the juice out of these six ideas. Number one, Hoy Magie Bayit Bevayit, Sadev Sadeh, I can see this, Yakrivu Ad Efes Makom, Bishpatim Levatchem Bekev Haaretz. So this one is the fifth, 512th mitzvah in the Torah. We can understand what Yeshayahu is talking about. This is really the mitzvah of Hasagos Gvul. The Torah has a, has a rule, which is a, a very vibrant rule in the world of Jewish business real estate, any kind of business, that there's a boundary between what's yours is yours and what's mine and mine. And essentially, to borrow from the language of the Old West, Yeshayahu is accusing uh, the Jews of Yehuda and Yushalayim of being claim, jo- uh, claim jumpers. They're taking the stakes off somebody else's property, making it their own, and annexing it and making their own land. This is us Midaraisa. The Mefarshim, the commentaries say... Uh, they, they take this to uh, an exquisite level of, uh, of understanding what really social injustice is about. They claim that the people who, of means would lend money to poor people, mortgage their properties knowing that they really couldn't pay them up, and then they would you foreclosure on the properties and annex the, to, their, to their homes. If you're thinking along the lines of Tanakh, which story does this sound like? Huh? Come on, come on. Achav. Achav and Izebel, right? Achav and Jezebel, Kerem Navota Yisraeli. Here's a guy who has family, a family, what? Kerem. A vineyard, right? 
they went and stole it from the Kilva guy to get his land. Okay, so we're on solid ground here. If Yeshayahu's going to come to the table and say, you know, God's going to destroy uh, the, 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 the vineyard, he's, he's so upset about all this, and it's about, you know, uh, steal, stealing. You know, the, at the end of the day, Hasagos Gbul, from a halachic standpoint, also has an element of gezel. There's no gezel by Karkos. You really uh, technically don't get punishment, the same punishment that you would get for violating the transgression of, of thievery. But as Rabbi Soloveitchik, the Rav, famously said, uh, any human error that we uh, say al-Khaid on, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, is essentially in some way stealing or an abuse of the power of the energies that God gave to each of us. So th- this, you know, if you're looking for a big principle to build around, number one is great. Look at number two. What's his second accusation? What's the second charge? Uh, Ishayahu is aggravated that the Jewish people are party goers. Huh? Drinkers. They're what? Drinkers. They're not only drinkers, they're waking up early in the morning and Yadli came. They're 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 on fire. They're they've got this passion for drink. They're going to parties, they're hearing music. Um and This is a gorgeous line that that uh that the Mefarshim uh fashion uh to say that these people, what, what, are, what are people really focused on? Are they looking at God's trees? Are they looking at the beauty of the, of the vineyards? Are they looking at sunsets? Are they looking at sunrises? Are they looking at the ocean? No, they're looking for the next bottle of whatever and how cheap it is and how good it is. And this is what they're obsessed with. So really, is this, is this Asamidaraisa? Is, is the, the Torah say anywhere in particular? Is there a lav? Is is there something that says that uh, there's some something uh, that the Torah uh, directly uh, says that this is something that you're not allowed to do? Uh, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to come up with one. Although you can certainly say this is not in the spirit of Torah. We would not imagine anybody who is a, a God-fearing uh, Jew or Jewess uh, spending all their day uh, and night uh, worrying about where the next drink. Or, or is from, and if we're really going that far, you know, so this is an obsession, it's an illness, you know, it's a disease, really, the house of Israel is going to be taken down, Jews are going to go into Gullahs, the Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, because people, the Jewish people are never addicted to, to party going, I mean, it's a very hard idea to swallow, is one of, this is now principle number two. Principle number three. So what's number three? These are people who are, uh, they, they're, they're completely, uh, I'm sorry, what do you want to say, Sydney? No, just Yeah. They've got their priorities messed up, right? They're, 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 they're just misdirected. So again, the same question. 
Moshchei Ha'avon Bechevel Ishav. These are people who can't tell the the truth from from uh, from a lie. They're caught up in lies. Is this really a reason to destroy the Beis Hamikdash? Number four. Haomrim Larato Vilatovra Samim Choshech Loor Veol Lechoshech Samim Mar LeMatok UMatok LeMal. Bizarro world. These are so afakerta velt, right? These people, the Jewish people, are in such a state now. Says Yeshayahu, he's looking at them, he's talking to them, he's got their attention. He's saying, "No, no, 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 no! You destroyed the carom, you let it go. Why? Because you can't tell good from bad, you can't tell sweet from sour, you can't tell light from dark. Really, what is the problem here? What is the sin in all of this?" Next, number five. The next sin, these people are, are, are wise in their own eyes. I'm sorry, what's in it? The big heads. The big heads, the big egos. There's one opinion, it's my opinion, I'm always right. And by the way, the next one is. Uh, the sixth one is that these people are not only confused, they're not only living in a state of denial, but they're so, they are wrapped up, they're lost in self-justification. So, and, and then we get the terrible description of all the punishments. So, I, I tried, I, I really spent a lot of time uh, trying to sort this out. And here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start you off, and I'm going to ask for all of you to think with me, because I have to say to you, I'm not going to wrap this sheer up and a nice little package, uh, because I have—I don't really have a clear answer to the question about how is this um, so impossible uh, for God to bear. So let's look at number one here. So the claim jumping. So at the end of the day, what's what's really at the root of claim jumping? I said that it was a sin of gezel of thievery. Uh, what is that really? It it implies that people have gotten to a state where they could care less for other people. What's yours is mine, what's mine is mine. You know, okay. So th- that's pretty terrible, uh, having no regard for others. Uh, party lifestyle, no regard for time or the world around them. Uh, after I, uh, I make a reference to a Gemara that I need to get to, I- I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about, if, if we have time, about the introduction of the Chovas Alvavos, who quotes this Pasuk, the, uh, the, our, our Peric, by the way. Yes? I just want to ask you. Please ask. Please ask. Narcissism. Well, narcissism. Where, where does that, that fit in? Well, unfortunately, you've come to a class where the, the lecturer is a clinical psychologist. Okay. So, oh, sorry. so no, narcissism. I didn't know because you were talking about, you know, yes, yes, no, oh, only it's. Only caring about whatever, and I know it's a sickness. Are they responsible for that because it's an illness? It's a beautiful question. And uh, so I think that if Yeshayahu walked through the door and he heard you say. Good for you. But if Isaiah heard you say, listen, I think that narcissism is a terrible problem in our times, right. he would be sitting here nodding. And, and, and what's your first name? Lauren. He would say, Lauren? Lauren. Lauren. He would say, Lauren, you're on the right track. So, okay, so they, they have no regard for the world around them. And then on top of it, and, and if you want to talk about uh, narcissism, uh, uh, narcissistic injury, as we call it, uh, makes people unrepentant. Go try to tell a narcissist that they hurt your feelings or they did something 
wrong. You know. Oh, by the way, speaking of narcissists, the non-narcissists, I forgot, I was negligent, I was a little bit uh, caught off, uh, I was distracted by putting up the screen. I want to uh, be mocked our discussion in our shir tonight to, to Yehuda and Aaron Chaim, our dear friend Leo, uh, Hannah's late husband, uh, Leo Weil, who was the opposite of everything that's on the board. If we had more people like Leo, we'd be laughing more, and uh, Yeshayahu would be coming and introducing El- us to Leo. That having been said, okay, so they're unrepentant, right? They have a mocking attitude. They have no regard for consequences. Okay. Fourth, um, uh, these are people who are saying that good is bad, it's so they're, they're, they, uh, they have no regard for the truth. They're living in a state of denial. Right? If you, if you can't tell the difference between uh, what's good and bad, what's sweet and sour, you're living in a state, you know, of denial. You you don't care what's true, and true, you know, if you think it's if it's bitter, uh, you know, you think it's sweet for you, and it, and your wife says it's bitter, and you say it's still sweet, you know, you don't really care about anything except what suits you. I think you're you're onto something, Lauren. Right? Uh, number five, chachamim be'inehem. So one of the psukim verses uh, in Mishlei that's dearest to my heart uh, is that uh, Shlomo HaMelech very famously said, Derech evil chacham be'inav. How can you tell a fool? Uh, a true fool is somebody, no matter what he does, no matter, no matter what, how he behaves, he thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He thinks it's wonderful. Just ask him. So here are people who are really beyond reproach because whatever you tell them, they, they're going to insist that the way they do things, you know, it's like, you know, uh, honey, my, my, my toast is burnt, but this is the way my mother made it. This, <laughs> you can't tell them anything. And, and so finally, and then the last one, Matstike uh, Rashi says that these are, these are Dayanim, these are judges, and we're all judges, uh, that uh, they, they justify everything that's their opinion, uh, and at the end of the day, there's no regard for justice. So I'm going to put this up here for the moment uh, for you to start cogitating about whether what sort of list is this? Is this a continuum? Is it ascending? Is it descending? Is it, is it something other than that? And again, I warn you that I, I really don't have a very clear... Uh, idea about this. But what I do have a clear idea about is an answer uh, to the question that the Ben Kol asked. What a chutzpah. Who gave Yeshayahu Ben Amotz the right to decide that six things, right, uh, comprise, you know, uh, are the essence of all of Torah? Who gave him the right to do that? So first of all, this is what he says in the text. This is what he said. He's got the right to do it. God is speaking to him. Uh, that's Yeshayahu's job. But we have a fascinating Gemara Makis, which is very helpful to us both tonight and also setting up next week's Shir Mir Hashem. The Gemara in Makis Chav Gimel says, Ahmed Beis, Dorush Rav Simloi. Rav Simloi gave the following drasha. Sheish miot mitzvot Moshe. Uh, Rav Simloi begins out by saying that there are 613 mitzvos that God commanded Moshe at Sinai. Gemara continues on the following daf, Bo David Along came King David, and he said, you know, something like this. Um, 
apparently by King David's time, he was saying, if I can just do, if I can create 11 mitzvot and everybody focus on those, we'll somehow get it right. It's sort of the later equivalent, which the Rambam, when he created his Shloshes Rei Kare Amuna, when he created his 13 fundamental principles of Jewish belief, you know, he got everything but thrown into, into Perim. <coughs> but that having been said, there's a precedent for Yeshayahu doing this, because David HaMelech came and he set it on how many principles? 11, right? 613 now become 11. It continues the Gemara, and it, you, you want to really pay attention here, because you, there's a nuance here in this Gemara that you don't want to miss. By Yeshayahu, along came Yeshayahu, vehemidan al sheish. Along came Yeshayahu, and he set them up, and the Gemara quotes the six uh, items that we just went through, right? Ba Micha, vehemidan al shalosh. Then came Micha, and he set him up on three. Higilcha damatov, mashem doreshmcha, ki masot mishpat, vavad chesed, vatsnealefeti melokecha. Micha said, What does God really want from you? Uh, he wants you to do mishpat, mishpat, yishayahu, ahavad chesed, to love charitable works, and being hatsnealechet, uh, having a sense of humility in the way that you act in the world. Okay? Here's uh, something that you want to remember for next week. Chazar Yishayahu. You hear this? What does that mean, Chazar Yishayahu? Change the line. What is this, three for a quarter? It's a carnival? But apparently, Yishayahu saw that his six principles that we have here... Too much. What? Too much. Too much. Chazar Yishayahu Okay? We saw this. Ba Amos, and there's a machlokus in the Gemara about why Amos uh, was, was the author of this, Vemidan Alachas, and then Ba Chavakuk Vemidan Alachat, Shnemar Vitzadik that a person lives off his righteousness. So, um, first of all, Yeshayahu said it. The Gemara obviously decided uh, that Yeshayahu was speaking in the tradition of, of David HaMelech, in the spirit of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a need uh, for this redacted essential principles for people to focus on, and here they are. And so the question that I'm asking all of us now is, what sort of list is this? I'm open to any suggestions, because I've been staring at this list uh, all week long and asking myself, uh, this question we started out with. So, it, uh, if we if we don't have volunteers, yeah. Oh, please, Josh, help us. I think the key question is what what you said. Is this are these Yisurim Doraita? In other words, I think that's exactly the point. None of these things are really one is. Even Hasagat Bula, it's something that doesn't have a clear masa. It's something that these are all things which somebody could look at the list of the of the Torah, of what you're supposed to do, and they could say, I'm doing everything right, but yet they're missing all of these things. So they're, they're, they're sort of the intangibles that are a slippery slope that Yishayahu says, you know, people could be following all the rules but still be missing the boat, and so these are the things which if you, if, if you're, if you ignore them and you abuse them, you could be doing all the mitzvot but still missing the main point. So these might be the intangibles as opposed to the untouchables. Okay, right. any other thoughts? Come on, help me out here. Uh,
trying to. Um, that's a good. That's a good way of thinking about it. So, how many of the six are Adam Lamako? Um, Not one necessarily. No. Two, yes. Right. Three, yes. Possibly. possibly. Four. Four. Ah. Neither, neither fish nor fowl, right? Five? No regard for a different point of view? Really? It's a great idea, I, I, but I, I, I don't really feel a bite to it. It doesn't seem like this, like in Yeshiva, you said, like, there's a hechrich to that. What do you think, Hannah? Got any idea? What do you mean? Look at this list. Is, does this look like one? Is this like a, a a spiritual landslide where if you've got if you've got people who have no regard for the property of others, uh, they're more likely to become party goers. Once they're party goers, that means that they're not going to care about consequences. Uh, that they, if they don't care about consequences, they're going to lapse into denial. Uh, you know the slippery slope. You know that uh, you know once they start sinning and they and they start. Caring less about the truth. I don't know enough about Isha, I'm afraid, but isn't there any encouragement to mend one's ways somewhere? Or does that come later? Or doesn't he? Is he he's just banging and bashing people? Well, I, I, I love your question, and I'll tell you why. Because you remember when we began, hmm. um, I mentioned something that's going to be germane to next week as well. Yeah. There's a very funny, uh, Lauren wasn't here, so she missed it. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm so sorry. That's great. That's no, but you, you will we'll give you some uh, a retro here that we all need. We need to to go back to this, and in the the first chapter of Isaiah is the subject of a tremendous discussion amongst commentaries about whether the book really begins there. Next week we're going to study chapter six. Some say that Yeshayahu begins with chapter six. So to your point, uh, Sydney, you know in chapter one. Yeshayahu uh, says, "Rachatzu, hizaku, you know, clean yourselves off, shiftu dal, rivu almana, you know, take care of the poor people, watch out for the widows, for the people who are less fortunate in society." Whoops, what happened here? I must have forgotten. Okay. Um, so yeah, in the first chapter, he does all of that, uh, and. We'll see more of that in, in, later in Yeshayahu. But here, his, what he's trying to do is get the audience and the, get the audience to listen. Because remember, we, we began by saying that this is at the, uh, at the latter end of the 8th century BCE, as they say. This is during, Yeshayahu starts out his 50 years of prophecy uh, right, right in the height of King Uziyahu's great kingdom. The, the, these are wonderful times. The, these, the economy is thriving, and he, and he sees the end, and he shows up, and what he's trying to do is say, wait a minute, things look great. It looks like we're going to have great wine. And he says, it's all coming down because you're not taking care of the fundamentals. You're not taking care of social justice. You're not caring for the poor and the needy and the unfortunate. You're not backing for, for, for pantry packers. You're not doing what Jewish people are supposed to do. You're not interested in justice. So, uh, yes, Yeshayahu says it starts with the leadership, and we'll speak more about leadership as we go on. We spoke about the job of women, 
the role of women in making sure that if their men's um, their men folk are not giving tzedakah and they're not aware of the of of what's going on in the street of the needy, they're supposed to put their minds to that rather than you know uh, what's in their um, what's in their closets and their wardrobes. So uh, I, I'm leaving this as an open question. Uh, hopefully, by the time we get to chapter sixty-six. Um, either I'll have his chance to run this by uh, some of the other people at 929, or uh, maybe we'll have, uh, when, when some of the rest of our members show up, uh, we'll have some other thoughts on this. But I thought that, how amazing is that? That here's Yeshayahu uh, laying out six principles about what Jewish life is not supposed to be about. Um, and, uh, well, I guess in some ways that really is a list of don't be's, right? I I guess that really speaks to your point, Sydney. This is not a do be list for you know those of you who remember Romper Room. You're too young for that. But, you know, so Romper Room was all about do be's and don't be's. These are don't be's. Um, but uh, I, you know maybe the maybe what we're supposed to do is uh, uh, just the opposite of that. If we re- have high regard for other people's properties. Uh, if we're a little bit more uh, appreciative of the time given us to us, a little bit more appreciative of the beauty that the world God created, and less interested in spoiling it, if we, instead of mocking uh, uh, when we're being rebuked, or, or, uh, and, and being more penitent and having a higher regard for human consequences, uh, getting out of state of denial, caring about the truth, uh, understanding that the facts may not be the way we see them, uh, making sure that we do have respect for alternate points of views, how, how matter, no matter how divergent they may be from our own. And finally, um, really acquiring an essential um, attribute, which is uh, when we're called to justice or called, our actions are called into questions, question, uh, not to justify ourselves, but to try and listen uh, and keep our ears open. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for hearing the voice of Yeshayahu, which I hope we've represented in some way tonight. And then, when we come back in Mirza Hashem next week to talk about Chapter 6, we're going to see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings Yeshayahu back uh, on, the, on the stage, and God is going to be asking, who's going to go out there and, and say my word, because the first time around, it's failed. And now we have some background for that failure because we know that Yeshayahu started out by trying six and six didn't work. Okay. Shavua Tov. Have a wonderful week, everybody. And Amir Tashem, we look forward uh, to meeting again next, next Sunday night at 7 and finishing exactly, well, tonight, 7.47. Gemara Makas is where? Chav Gimel Ahmed Bez in the beginning Chav Dalid Ahmed Aleph. It continues. All right, Lauren, welcome. I, 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 I'm sorry that I missed all this. No. I understand everything. Yes. I know what Abraham Yitzchak and Yaakov knew because I used to be very, very wealthy. My grandfather, Sam Margman, used to teach um, pure cables, first of all. Where? He started the day school in Memphis, Tennessee. From Memphis? Yes. Do you know Ruve Neowitz? Of course. He was my roommate in college. Was he?